Welcome to Phone Messages, Episode 41, Missing Disc. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week I have a message and interview with David Golub. David was an editor at Gray City Journal, where I was a frequent contributor in the late 80s. I first discussed the GCJ back in Episode 5, Savitri's First Message. In David's message, he refers to Anjali Fedson, who was Savitri's older sister and another Gray City Journal editor at the time. In recent episodes, I have been saying these messages come from the fall of 1988. But at some point, and I am not sure when, we move into the winter of 1989. In future episodes, I hope to have more precise time markers. David's message is about 30 seconds long. Immediately after it plays, we will hear his response. Let's listen. Hey, Paul, this is David Gollop. Listen, I cannot find, or rather I could not find, the computer disk copy of your article. Um, if you know where it is, well, listen, if you have a copy at home, please make another copy and slide it under Anjali's door tonight. Uh, or in the morning. Uh, if not, I don't know, maybe you can try to find it at the office. But if you do have a copy, please give one to Anjali. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, so <clears throat> that's, um, it really takes me back to a kind of a, an interesting time. And, uh, you know, a couple of things strike me about that. You know, first of all, leaving a message is just seems so anti-Diluvian right now, just such an, you know, inconceivable idea that you would leave a voicemail message. I really can't remember the last time I've done that. Um, you know, you would send a text if it was an emergency, I guess, now. But what strikes me is that, you know, I'm on deadline, or we're on deadline, and I'm trying to remain really calm. And, uh, you know, listening to myself just try to sound really chill and not stressed out when clearly I must be, because uh, I repeat myself a couple times. You, you know, I can, I can imagine that uh, maybe I lost the disc, or I never had the disc, or somebody told me the disc was there and it wasn't there. Probably a print deadline looming in the future, which is another kind of crazy, old-fashioned idea. Correcting my grammar while I'm speaking, which is uh, an amusing habit to try to keep myself very calm and not sound too urgent. I guess the only question for me, and I'm puzzled now, is uh, what door was I asking you to put this under? Maybe you could describe Anjali and Savitri's apartment. Uh, there was a vestibule, but maybe the vestibule would, would have opened and you could slide it under the apartment door. That's probably it, because they had an apartment. It was a, if you remember where 57th Street Books was, it was sort of a block from there on Kimbark Street. The other thing which, was, which is different about Chicago was that there were alleyways, and all the buildings had back wooden, uh, essentially, staircases in the back of the buildings. There were in the back, and there was a back door. There would have been there would have been a door facing at least the back of, of the apartment building. What do you remember about the Gray City Journal 
Well, it was a literary insert to the, to the maroon, technically. So it was a part of the Chicago Maroon. It was part of the student newspaper. It was kind of a book review, culture review, uh, you know, a little bit of um, Samizdat in a way happening there. I mean, we're trying to be kind of underground and, and, and a bit hip. You know, the people that were involved with the Gray City Journal was more, more of an eclectic kind of intellectual, uh, maybe even somewhat beatnik. You know, we were just trying to do something kind of visually interesting and, and sort of textually interesting. I think I started working on, on the newspaper on the maroon side, and I think I wrote a couple articles and was doing some production work. For whatever reason, kind of migrated in, over to the Great City Journal. I think it was, it might have been because of Anjali, it might have been for other reasons. I, I, I can't remember why. One thing which is interesting, and you know, we're talking about a voice mail recording, and so, you know, it, it seems somehow appropriate to really talk about the production aspects of that of that publication, which we, we essentially typeset, if you will, on, on, it must have been first-generation Mac computers. We then printed out these high-resolution uh, folios on, on linotronic machines, and then we, we, we glued the, the photographs or the artwork onto the paper, and then glued the whole thing onto boards, and then put the boards into basically uh, into folders, and, and, we, and it was printed. And so it was, it was, again, the kind of the last gasp of manual newspaper production before it was all completely digitized. So when we wanted to do cool things, we'd do overlays, and we did duotones, and we did some interesting graphics and some burns, we, we had to do it the old-fashioned way. And so we, we, I remember we had a whole series of like Russian constructivist books and some Dada books, and we looked at what they did. And, and I, I'm not going to pretend that we came close to what, what, what they did, but we we were inspired by that, and we and we, we, we made pages and we made artwork uh, manually. And sometimes it looked great, sometimes it didn't look great, but it was really fun, and we did it the old-fashioned way, and it was, uh, so that was really interesting. I also really remember very well the Gray City Journal and the Maroon at the time, there was an office in the some attic floor of Idenoy's building, and in the basement there was a pub. And uh, the pub sold bread pudding. And uh, you know, if you if you had spent eight, ten, twelve hours, which often we did on product on production trying to produce the, the publication, you'd be starving. And so I remember many times eating. You would come in these plastic cups and eating essentially bread pudding for for dinner. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because I never thought that you know my professional life would would involve the kinds of things I learned doing that. But in fact, you know, computer production and 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 deadlines and. And, and content editing, and uh, you know, all became really critical skills. I remember writing a lot of political screeds, and honestly, I can't remember any of them. Um, but there were two things I wrote that I do remember. One of them was serious. One of them is not that serious. Uh, well, the serious one was I, there was a there was a lecture by a couple of uh, uh, I think they were American journalists. I don't remember exactly now. Maybe they weren't American. They could have been British, uh, who had been in Tibet and had witnessed. A Chinese crackdown, of, essentially, of a, of a, of a Tibetan uh, protest, and you know people were beaten and killed, and these guys had witnessed it. And I interviewed them, and I wrote a long piece, and I did you know some research, wrote a lengthy piece covering their talk and the context of the story of the uh, the Chinese uh, incursion into Tibet. And I remember some weeks later, after it was published, I got a letter 
from the from the Chinese consulate uh, with a long point by point rebuttal of this piece that I had written in essentially a college literary journal, and it was like wow, I'm, I'm you know I'm just a punk kid, and you guys are really that afraid of me. Um, so that was kind of crazy. I, I remember that really well. The other thing I wrote, I remember one summer I, I, I stayed in Hyde Park. And you know the other thing about uh, Chicago that's important to note is that the weather is quite extreme. And so the winter is extremely cold. And the, the summer is extremely hot and muggy. And I was living in an apartment on 57th Street. And it was like 105 degrees. And I had, of course, had no air conditioning. Even if I had an air conditioner, I wouldn't have had the money to pay for the electricity. And so I wrote a, you know, tongue-in-cheek riff on, on the wasteland that was uh, basically August is the cruelest month. And it included the line, which I remember very well, writing, T.S. Eliot, you fucking elitist prune. And I got a letter, another letter, but this time it was from some professor, I don't remember which one, in the English department, basically chastising me for, you know, what I had said. So. And that concludes the interview. I want to give many thanks to David for sharing his memories. If you would like to participate in this podcast or have comments, please contact me through my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.